Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. Today we're in Philippians 2 and it's a pretty impactful chapter. There's countless um, messages from various speakers and preachers and whatnot about uh, Philippians 2 or that have taken various scripture out of Philippians 2. Um, Tozer, just on his own, has, I believe, three different writings about it. Spurgeon, I believe, had five, five or six. So there's just a lot to be said here in Philippians 2. But before we get started with all of that, let's open up with a word of prayer. Lord, I'm so grateful for this day. I'm so grateful for the fact that you love us. I'm so thankful that you love us and that you take an interest in our day and in who we are, in each of us, our hearts, our minds, our lives. It's amazing that here's the creator of the universe who really just could turn his back on us, has a passion and a desire to fellowship with us each and every day. So, Father, today I lift up this day and this time. and I lift up this time and pray that as, <clears throat> as we go through your word, that it be your voice that is heard, that it be your will that we learn more about, and that it would truly be your spirit guiding us. So I just pray for our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to be open to you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so I apologize up front. I have a little bit of a frog in the throat this morning. But why don't we go ahead and just jump on into verse 1. Of second of Philippians 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. So again, this is Paul calling for the calling for unity within the church at Philippia. But it's also the call for us to emulate Jesus and and his life and how he behaves. Do nothing out of selfish, selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, i.e. a man. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act 
in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. I'll tell you what, I grumble and I try not to, but sometimes I'm an expert at it. And uh, this, this verse always, it always strikes home with me because I am really good at finding fault. I can find fault within myself instantly and in others pretty dang quick. And then circumstances. And I have that very strong skill set. And I wish I didn't, but I do. So this always reminds me to keep my mouth shut and thank God that I have the opportunity to do whatever it is I'm doing. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of, of life. <clears throat> and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope, that, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son son with his father, he has served me in the work of the gospel. That, That one verse actually makes people think that maybe Timothy is Paul's son. But I think it's more of a correlation that they work together like a father and son team. Anyways, I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things have gone with me. Because remember, he's still in prison in Rome. And I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. And indeed he was ill and almost died. But God had had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him. Because because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. So that's the end of chapter 2. Key elements here. Christ wasn't proud. He humbled himself. So when you're talking, should we be proud? No. Should we be united with, with him? And focused on doing the work. Even though he's God. Jesus is. He didn't go in. Bring down his godly power. Instead he was humble. And he died on a cross. Which was painful. And humiliating. So. We need to understand. That in our. Relationships and in our life. Humility is is important. And obedience. Because again. Jesus could have said, 
hey, I'm out of here. But he was obedient. So with that, I'm just going to go and read real quick something from A.W. Tozer. He focuses on the scripture from Philippians 2.15, which reads, and he uses the old the King James Version, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. So he writes, The wisdom of the cross is repudiation of the world's norm. Christ, not society, becomes the pattern of the Christian life. The believer seeks adjustment not to the world, but to the will of God, and just to the degree that he is integrated into the heart of Christ is he out of adjustment with fallen humanity or human society. So think about that. The more we are in tune with the will of God and the will of Christ, the more out of tune are we with human society. The Christian sees the world as a sinking ship from which he escapes, not by integration, but by abandonment. So there is another verse somewhere, and I'm bad at naming verses, um, that basically says, you're of this world, you're in this world, not of this world. And so that's the abandonment of today's society. We live in the society, we make it better, we work hard to improve but we are not part of this world. This world is a temporary place for us. Our future lies in heaven. And then he writes, a new moral power will flow back into the church when we stop preaching social adjustment and begin to preach social repudiation and cross-carrying. So Tozer has a real issue with modern churches of his day, which was in the 60s, 50s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Um, he felt that it was pretty tame, that it was pretty much the church that was lukewarm, was neither hot nor cold, and wasn't really preaching the gospel as it was meant to be. So he's saying that instead of trying to become part of society and whatnot and adjusting to the societal norms of the day, which a lot of churches do today, we should be repudiating those norms and carrying our cross. Modern Christians, he writes, hope to save the world by being like it, but it will never work. The church's power over the world springs out of her unlikeness to it, never from her integration into it. So you're never going to, the church isn't going to save the world by becoming like it, because what sets it apart? Nothing. Um, think about so many of our churches that are dying, and they are just shrinking. And they're, they're the ones who tend to have, you know, very modern secular beliefs and agreements with today's society versus the ones that are growing and dynamic are usually the ones that are non-denominational and just preach the Bible and live the Bible. And they hold people accountable as members to the Bible. So it's really one of those things that being pure, blameless and pure sets you apart from what the world says we should be. And then that causes us to shine like stars in the sky. So anyways, I appreciate your time. Let's just close up real quick with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for your words. Thank you for 
your wisdom and your insights. I just pray for your words and these words to go out and be fruitful, that they would touch people's hearts and that you would be honored and glorified, that it be you who is the focus of all of this, not me or anyone else, but you. I lift up this time. I pray for my friends out there, and I just pray that you would walk with them, talk to them, and be with them each and every moment of the day. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a wonderful day.